1: Welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Zach. Um,
2: you can find me on Twitter at ZachForster underscore AI. Um, you can also find my works on EPL Index and AnfieldIndex.com.
0: Hi, I'm Dan, Arsenal fan. You can get me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits. And I can get my writing on EPLindex.com, among other sites.
1: Thanks for joining us, guys. Up first, we have Making the Rounds, where we each have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs this week. Zach, haven't heard a whole lot of news out of Liverpool, but what's been going on behind the scenes? Um, Yeah, as
2: you say, not a great deal. Um, I think optimism is kind of growing um, as we've kept three clean sheets, decent performance against Arsenal. Um, As you say, not much coming inwards in terms of transfers absolutely no gossip which is great for this time of year it's nice and we can sit back and relax um one sort of major piece of news uh, obviously as you probably heard Mario Balotelli is headed back out to AC Milan on loan um I think that's probably a good deal for all parties AC Milan probably more suited to him so more likely to get him firing on a semi-regular basis um Obviously good for him because he's going to get game time and obviously good for us because if he truly is that disruptive, we don't want him in the camp for another year, really. Um, so, yeah, other than that, um, good performance against Arsenal on Monday. Balotelli
1: out on loan. That's it for, the, uh, for this week, really. Yeah, another striker question. We're hearing that Surge might be back in mid-September. How do you think he'd be deployed? Would he be playing with Benteke? Would he be replacing him? How do you think that would work out? Um. I'm not really sure, it's it's quite difficult to tell. Um,
2: hopefully, like the obvious hope is that now he's going to be fit, So, and hopefully he'll play with Benteke as much as possible. Um, I think it'd be quite... Con- I have said before that maybe with these injury problems, we'd, we would think about selling him if someone like PSG would offer you know, 30 million or something like that, because if we're not going to get much use out of him, it'd be quite difficult to turn that down. But if he was to sort of be fit and ready to play and not included because Benteke is sort of like the main man, I think that'd be quite controversial. And I think a lot of fans would be quite disappointed in that because obviously the memories of him in 2013, 2014 are still quite vivid to some because we had such little memory of him from last season. So we just remember the good bits of that good season. So um, yeah, hopefully maybe if it's not both of them right up top maybe Sturridge would play right forward and Coutinho left forward or Firmino left forward with Coutinho a bit deeper in one of the centre mid roles so it's um there's quite a few options hopefully he finds a way to fit them all in I'd I'd like Sturridge to start personally this fit so yeah that's that's my angle on it.
1: Dan obviously you're on the other side of that Liverpool match you just uh mentioned how do you feel you did in that one and is there any news on maybe finally bringing in a striker?
0: Uh, well, it was certainly a Jekyll and Hyde first half, second half for us, because the first half was some of the, one of the worst performances I've seen in recent memory, at least defensively, because Callum Chambers looked like he was an eight-year-old. Um, uh, really, the only players that did themselves any justice in the first half were Czech and uh, Cokelin. But the second half was significantly better. We attacked really well. We defended solidly because they got their heads out of their backsides, and we. Based on the second half performance, we're unlucky to come away with three points, but considering Liverpool could have been 5-0 up at halftime, it's one of those where you kind of feel like you did really well at one point, but you could have lost another point, so I guess it draws a good a good result. Um, how that game ended 0-0, I will never, ever, ever know. Then, as far as striker, no, we're not signing anyone. Um, there have been no rumors with Benzema calling us all clowns for thinking he's going to He's going to leave Real Madrid, and the defense midfielder from Sevilla, Kretchuk, Khrushchev, or whatever his Greg. name is, I'm sorry. Greg. Come on, Greg. Uh, what a, He said he's going to stay at Sevilla. I don't see us signing anyone. I'd be shocked if we did. Uh, then, other Arsenal news, we drew Tottenham, the Capital One Cup, because we just can't have an easy draw on that since we lost to Bradford. It's just written in the stars. Um, and then we got our Champions League draw earlier today where a pretty solid group but it's kind of a boring group because um we always get Olympiacos and Bayern. I think it's in the last including this season in the last 5 seasons we've played I think four teams three times Dortmund, Olympiacos, Bayern and Dortmund. And then we've played Marseille twice. So we always seem to get the same teams and it's more of the same for that. So not a group that was is difficult to get out of. We'll get out of it probably we won't top it cuz Byron or Byron, but we should get out pretty easily. But it's just, you know, kind of boring all the same teams.
1: Yeah, we'll touch on the Champions League stuff a little bit later. Uh, obviously there's some defensive issues for you right now. Do you think Callum Chambers will eventually develop into being a center back or do you think he might be kind of out of luck uh, with Bellerin seemingly having owned that right back spot?
0: Uh, He's certainly not going to be a right back. I think he'll be a good center back. I rate him quite highly, to be honest, but he sure didn't show it. It just looked bad
1: with how good Gomez looked at even a younger age on the other side.
0: I mean, the whole five or six passes across goal from his own box was not great. And the trying to take it to your own halfway line without passing and then getting tackled and leaving us exposed, that wasn't great either. That happened more than once. It was really bad, but I I do rate him highly. I think he'll be really good. He just really did not show it against Liverpool. I think the fact that he had an inexperienced partner Bellerin and Gabriel still doesn't really speak English, that whole thing didn't help him, but even then, he, he was really bad.
1: Yeah, like like you said, the fact there were no goals in that match was very surprising on both sides. Um, for Tottenham, it's been a very frustrating week. Um most notably, I'm just going to start off with all of the Barajino craziness. So we've been linked, as everyone knows, for quite some time. Looked like we were the only bidders in. First bid, 15, then 18, then 22. Uh, and each time we put in a bid, West Brom came out and said that they were rejecting it. Which was weird and, and obtuse, but that's fine. Do what you want with a player that's yours. And this is all culminated in Jeremy Peace coming out to say... Uh, that I've informed Sado Barraginho that he will not be transferred during this summer window and that he is staying at the club. Absolutely fine. A lot of Tottenham fans coming out with a lot of vitriol, you know, saying how could they do this to us? He's supposed to be our player. Forgetting that we were on the other side of this with both Modric and Bale, with Chelsea and Real Madrid respectively. They have every right to hold on to their player. That's fine. The part that I have issue with is later in the statement... He says, I have the greatest respect for Daniel Levy, but he must surely appreciate we would have needed to replace Sato had he left, and no consideration of that position has been reflected by Tottenham. Which is just a lie. They've already brought in uh, Ricky Lambert, they've already brought in Solomon Rondone, who played tremendously against Chelsea last week. They have very much fortified there, and they still have Brownie Day at the club as well. So, <laughs> at first I read this and I was like, okay, that's fine. He's their player, and the more I read this, the more I'm just very confused. Later, saying that they didn't ever get a solid bid, but you know, offering 22 million for a player that next year will only have one year left on his contract seems like the best they were probably going to get. I always said I wasn't sure Levy would pay 25 million for a player that would either be a backup striker or striker being played as a right winger. That never seemed that likely. There were times where we were going to throw Infazio into the deal, maybe try to throw Lennon into the deal. Uh, apparently the reason why this recent bid was so offensive to him is it was stretching over four or five years uh, and they wanted that money up front, which again, absolutely fair. But that one thing saying that they didn't have time to find a replacement when they've already brought in the two replacements, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it seems just like it's false. Uh, like it's an untrue statement, but you know, it's absolutely, they're right. We're seeing a similar thing with John Stone's Everett Everett. John Stones over at Everton, not Everton. Um, And and I guess just quickly, what are you guys' take on this? Do you think it's good for the game that these kind of mid-table clubs are being able to hold on to their players right now? Or or do you think they should kind of be allowing these players to move up to further their careers? Um,
2: I think it's probably a good thing. They, In terms of once they graduate from sort of their individual academies and um, integrate into the first team, they don't have any real you know, responsibility to sell them to a perceived bigger or better club. The, once they have trained him up from the academy and graduated him, and obviously that's helped the football talent pool sort of thing, um, when the, each time you bring in a few new recruits, um, I don't think there's any responsibility on... West Brom to let Berrinho leave to Tottenham or Arsenal or Liverpool just because it would help his career. For West Brom, it's all about staying in the Premier League and trying to stabilise themselves in mid-table. I don't think they have a responsibility to, to allow English talent to develop beyond them putting them in their own first team. Um, similar to um, Everton and John Stones, Everton have no, no need and no reason to sell. John Stones to to Chelsea just to help John Stones career. If it helps Everton, then fine. Then then yeah. Then that that that's absolutely fine. But they don't really have to help the player beyond beyond putting him in the first team and playing him every week.
0: Yeah, I think the fact that they are not forced into selling their good players at this point is a good thing for Premier League. Uh, whether I think they should sell these specific players is all another thing. But I think as a general. Thing it's good that the mid-table teams don't have to bow to the big teams, at least in these two cases. Because I think, well, one, as far as English talents go, often you see people just don't make it at the top level because they don't mm-hmm. give themselves enough time to develop at the mid-table level. But even just for the mid-table clubs themselves, like Zach said, it's about staying in the Premier League. It's about getting as high as you can. And if you think those players can help you do that, you should keep them if you can.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I absolutely agree that they have every right to do it. I, I do think it's strange having already brought in two striking positions because now you're looking at a West Brom side where, you know, maybe there are three or four places in the team where they need to improve, but now they have four proven strikers. And, you know, we've, we've recently heard from, from Pulis saying that he's not as much a fan of that flat four in the midfield that he's been using in years past. And so if they're only playing one striker at a time and you have four strikers when you need. A lot of improvement on the wing, maybe some improvement in the midfield and at the wing backs where you're just playing center backs at the moment. I, I don't know. I, I think they, they need to improve in other places and selling a player and bringing in other players to fill those positions. You know, if, if I'm building a team, if I'm in football manager or FIFA, that's how I'd probably approach it. But as, as you guys are saying, it is a good thing that they're able to hold on to their talent. This specific deal doesn't make sense to me. John Stones is fine. Barajino's selling price is going to drop after this year. Because of how short its contract is, John Stones' value is going to go up. So I do think they're two very separate situations, but similar in the fact that these clubs look like they're intent on keeping them. Other Tottenham news, team news: Christian Eriksen looks like he's going to miss again this week, which basically means we're going to draw or lose. It's just how how it works. I said on the the, uh, fantasy pod yesterday, Harry Kane was already a player that you should probably take out of your team. Now that Erickson's not there for another week, I'd I'd probably bail on him at the moment. Because all he's doing is creating half chances for himself. Which he'll convert some of, but not nearly enough to get close to that 20-goal season that he had last year until things really start changing around him. Uh, Other transfer stuff, uh, Hyunming Sun. Gonna keep saying it like that until somebody corrects me, so please do if I'm wrong. Um, I know sometimes the names are backwards. I'm not going to get into that right now. It looks like he's on his way over from Bayer Leverkusen. Allegedly, that was to fill Eric Lamela. There's internal strife at the club regarding Lamela, um, where Daniel Levy wants to sell Lamela. Lamela's father says he wants to move back to Italy, but Pochettino seems not ready to, to give up on this project yet, and he really wants to help him develop and do well. Uh, I've said before, I think Lamela goes when Pochettino goes, but it does look like there's building pressure on the club to sell. And uh, apparently Lamela could have gone earlier in the summer. Poch said no, so we kept him. Whether or not that happens a second time, only time will tell. Uh, Inter Milan, the team that's chasing him, they're also in for even Perisic. So if that deal goes through, they'd probably stop chasing Lamela anyway. Uh, But in either case... Uh, son is being brought in most likely more as a winger than as a striker. I know he, he played there in the past, but got kind of pushed out due to Keisling's ability over Bayer Leverkusen, but it does look like this one's a go. We're pretty excited about that. Just wish we could pair him with the striker that we were so often told was coming, and you know, you've seen a whole lot of strikers move around. The recent one that the papers are loving is we'll go back in for Anthony Martial now that uh, Monaco are out of the Champions League, but they seemed pretty intent on not selling him either. Uh, We want Breel and Bolo. have said they aren't selling. The only player that a team is trying to sell is Charlie Austin, and it doesn't seem like we're that interested in him either. So I'm not really sure how we will fix that going forward, but we need to desperately. Having just one fit striker is not an acceptable thing in the the modern and physical age of the Premier League. Uh, So who knows what will happen, but uh, (laughs) I've mentioned before, I'm going to be gone for the next four days uh, for one of my best friend's bachelor parties. A stag though, if you will, um, and so I'm just going to come back, and we'll have signed someone or not. And uh, I'm actually looking forward to not having to go through all of this minutia. Uh-
0: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices. Down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How it get 30, 30, bit get 30, you get 20, 20, 20, get 20, 20, get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? so Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
2: $45 up front
0: for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place.
1: Time will tell. We'll have to get a striker in at some point. You know Whether we'll have ever heard of him, maybe, maybe not. Maybe Chadley will be our new striker. Maybe Clinton and G will be our new striker. But somebody is going to back up Harry Kane this year. And it's not going to be Adebayor or Alright, we mentioned uh, Champions League a little bit there with Dan. Uh, so we're going to address that. Obviously all the groups were drawn today. How do you think that the English teams will fare in this year's tournament? And, do you, and which of the English teams do you think will progress the furthest?
2: um i think i think manchester city are quite uh, quite well equipped to go far in this season's competition i know um they've got a sort of nice um group compared to the ones they've had in the past um they've had they've obviously had by me a couple of times um and that's on obvi- oh, that's often meant that they've finished second in their group which obviously makes it much more difficult to uh, progress through the tournament mm. um I think a group of Juventus and Sevilla and uh, Manchester United—that's still a dangerous group, but but they couldn't the win Weller- first.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Which definitely. they have not been able to do before.
2: Yeah, like as we've seen, Juventus' midfield has been absolutely decimated this um, this summer with a especially with Pelo going and Vidal off to uh, Bayern Munich, um, and obviously constant rumours still surrounding Pogba um, and Sevilla just. But, you know, I think Sevilla are just probably going kind to of finish third. I can't see them challenging the top two. With Juventus and the City. I think
1: Sevilla are going to win the Europa League again.
2: <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd absolutely love that. That'd be great. Um, on the other teams, Chelsea again, another decent group. Seems to happen every year. Um, and the same with United. Um, say, Although United's in the got League, interesting because
1: the fourth pot team yeah, in their group yeah. is the next best team in that group.
2: Yeah, when I was following it on Twitter, uh, my grandma is actually um, a United fan. So I was like, God, United are so jammy. So she's obviously going on like wittering on with all the United rhetoric and I'm like, Just be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then Wolfsburg came out and I actually piped down a little bit because obviously that's a <laughs> That's a tough fourth fourth pot team, yeah. Um, so yeah, that that kind of got a bit more interesting. And I suppose there's a nice little narrative there for Depay going back to PSV as well. Mm. But United look, I, I would I would back United to go out with that group. So I'd say City to go far, qualifying first. Arsenal probably going to come second again. Sorry, Dan. Um, Chelsea obviously going to come top, and then United to come somewhere in the top two. So I, I back I back the United the uh, English teams quite well to be honest especially in the group phase anyway.
0: Uh, yeah, I kind of agree. I think they got, well, City, again, a tough group, but not as tough as in years past. I still think they have the potential to miss out, but it would take City completely failing in Europe, which isn't new, but it, like them just totally underperforming for them to do it. They are probably the most talented team in the group. It's just about you know uh, applying that on the pitch, as opposed to other years where they were clearly the second or third best team. Uh, as far as, yeah, United, like you said, their group was really weird because it was like, this is the easiest thing ever, and then they pulled Wolfsburg, but they should still get out of it, no problem. Um, Chelsea with the easiest group of
1: all time again because that always happens. And that Porto team is not the Porto team of years past. I, I think they no, lost six math. of their starting 11 from last season. Yeah, no, they're not. They're not great. Um,
0: and then who is? it's Maccabi Tel Aviv, and somebody else who's not very good. Dynamo Kiev. Remember. Yeah. Yep, done. Um, yep, done.
1: Um. <laughs> Jesus. Who, by the uh, way, I, I think I saw earlier uh, are trying to get in uh, Pavel Pogrebniak, the Pog, uh, which <laughs> I'm not really sure is enough to beat Chelsea, but an interesting transfer for, for a player that I thought would do much better in the Premier League back when Reading were up.
0: Didn't he have a really good six months of Fulham and then went to Reading and then was terrible?
1: I, yeah, I, I think that, like that was that. the correct yeah. uh, truth. Do you remember uh, Costas Metroglou being like the big yeah. signing like two winters yeah. ago? I couldn't even tell you where he is now.
0: He is in Benfica on loan. No way! Huh. Yeah. And then, um, uh, who I have said yet? Arsenal. Uh, like I said, we should get out of the group. We won't top it because Bayern are Bayern. And we always play them and always lose to them at home and draw them. Well, no, we beat them but one time away, but both times those were in knockout rounds, and they were just kind of you know making sure we don't lose but so yeah again easy to get out of but we're not going to win it but and then as far as into the knockout stages I think I think both Chelsea I think really every English team is equipped to go past the round of 16 depending on who they draw obviously Arsenal are likely to finish second in their group and could drop Barcelona again so then they'd go up around 16 but all of City United and Chelsea are in. Decent positions to top their group and then have good squads and at least in the term Chelsea and arguably United, good managers for European competitions. So, I think it could be a decent year for English teams as opposed to the
1: last what three. Mm. Yeah, I, I think Manchester City, Zach. Like, I think you nailed it on the head. It, is definitely the most interesting one uh because they're the, the they're the team I think that could you know. Well, uh, United and Chelsea should win their groups. But Manchester City could win their group. But they could also finish fourth. And it kind of depends on where their priorities lie. Obviously, they bring, they're bringing in odemendi Looks like they've they've just about locked up De Bruyne. Uh, obviously, already brought in Raheem Sterling. These are very high-profile players to positions that already had decent players. You know, you have Nasri on the left. De Bruyne looks like he's going to be replacing Navas. Uh, Eliakou and Mangala decided to turn up and look like a super legit center back this season. Uh, So I'm not really sure how they're going to split their interests. I doubt that they thought coming into the season that they would kind of have taken the Premier League by storm this much. I mean, you know, you have a lot of belief in yourself. But coming into the season, I thought their focus was going to mostly be on the Champions League. And now with their position in the Premier League, maybe they're going to have to split focus and maybe fall short in both. I'm not really sure. It's really easy to say they'll come in second in that group behind Juventus. But as you mentioned, Juventus have had a lot of overturn. at Stryker as well, losing Lorente and Tevez. Uh, obviously not what they wanted. They do have an excellent uh, pair of options up there now anyway. But City could easily win this group. They could also lose to Sevilla. They could also lose to Mönchengladbach, who have a very talented side. I, I've, I love Timo Werner forever. Looks like he's not coming to Tottenham now. And why would you when you're about to be in the Champions League? Um, but that's that's an interesting one I think they, they have the best chance of not making it through uh, But also have a fairly decent chance of winning that whole group It, it just depends where they're going to put their focus uh, So that'll be a very interesting one to see how that boils out I think Chelsea are going to be the ones that really go the furthest uh, in, in the Champions League I, I think that they might be a little bit too far behind already I know that's insane but the reason why City have impressed me so much is because their defense is so much better. They were always going to score goals. But that defense looks fully legit. And Chelsea look like they're going to need to retool that defense. And now they don't have John Stones coming in to help try to fix it. You know, John Terry's pace, everybody keeps saying it was starting to go. This year it's gone. If anybody watched the Swansea match and saw what Buffett Gomez did to him, it's just he just doesn't have the legs anymore. It's a very sad thing if you like Chelsea, which I don't. But... They're not there anymore. Kurt Zuma has the pace to make up for it, but the red card that Terry got at the weekend was because Zuma's head wasn't turned on, and he didn't mind the run. And so you kind of have these situations where who's going to be there? Gary Cahill was an absolute rock last year, and now he's looking shaky as well. I'm not super confident in that Chelsea team in the Premier League, but I think in the Champions League they could really focus. I think the play style benefits them more uh, if they're not going to be as as resolute at the back. I think they could really get at teams, you know, up front four. Of Pedro, Oscar, or William, Hazard, and Diego Costa is going to frighten anyone in, in Europe. Uh, so I, I think they might go the furthest. Uh, Manchester United can figure it out. I, I don't see Arsenal doing much. That's not just Tottenham hatred. It's just, we just haven't seen much from them in the Champions League. Uh, and again, as you mentioned, you're going to get a harder draw because you're probably not going to win the group. Not a huge fan of that. I'm going to say Chelsea in that and that City will, will probably get the title if Chelsea diversify themselves enough into the Champions League and maybe quote unquote abandon the Premier League. Uh, do do you think City are gonna face that issue or do you think their squad's deep enough to really contend on both fronts?
2: Uh, I think it's it's deep enough on both fronts. Um I saw this is like all these apps that you have on an iPhone and stuff and you can sort of like pick a lineup like and move them about. Um it, it was it was it, it was a really good squad from City. Someone did like um did the, one of these diagrams and put both names of like the two players that could occupy that position on the pitch. Um, and they had good depth pretty much everywhere. If they were to play, let's say just a, a four, two, three, one, they've got Aguero, then Boney. Then on the left, they have Sterling Nasri on the right. They have, they've got Navas. And I can't think of another right winger for some reason. Let's say the buena, Yeah. Let's just say that. Uh, so let's say he's there. Um, in the hole, obviously, David Silva, Torre can play there, Nasri can play there, so you can interchange the positions as well. Fernandinho, Fernando at the, uh, in the base in the field, and they've got a couple of decent youth prospects. Clichy, um, Kolarov on the left, uh, Zabaleta Sanya on the right, Otamendi, company, Demichelis, Mangala, they occupy the four centre-back mm. spots, and then, obviously, Joe Hart and Ka- Caballero. So, I think they've got the squad deep enough, and... They've obviously got a good attacking manager, and if they've added that defensive stability to the um, to the back five, incl- including the goalkeeper, um, then I I see no reason why they can't do it. Especially now, the um, sorry, the the lack of um, Champions League experience for for the club is that that excuse is wearing a bit thin now. They've been in it for what every year for five years. Torre's won the Champions League Silver had Champions League experience with Valencia and now he's had plenty with City they've all, they're all had Champions League experience even Sterling has had a bit of uh, Champions League experience with mm-hmm. Liverpool So, and he's one of the youngest players in their squad so th- th- now is the time for them to actually fire in the Champions League so they need to do it Like they need to prove to themselves that they can do it do it on two major fronts rather than the league and a cup they need to go into Europe and the league and test themselves on on those kind of fronts
0: yeah, as far as squad depth-wise, I think they've got it. It's uh, it, it's with City. I think it's all about company and uh, Yaya Torre having a revival this year, which for the first three games they have. If they can keep up this kind of form for the entire season, they're probably they going to win the title and probably going to do pretty well in the Champions League. If they don't, they fall off again like they have the past two years, then it gets a bit hairy. But I think if they... I mean, obviously, they perform like they have the first three games. they win everything they ever play. But... Um, Providing they keep up some kind of decent form for up until the Champions League knockout rounds, I think they can go pretty far.
1: All right, thanks for your opinions, guys. Now we're going to move on to Player Watch, where we will be discussing two players, not a player that's impressed and disappointed, but instead, the best fantasy option for your team and the player most likely to join your club by the end of the transfer window. We'll start with Zach.
2: Um, a fantasy play for my club that i put in this weekend. Hmm. We've well, got West Ham at Anfield, so who I just went a, a
1: hat trick in against Callum. Yeah,
2: Leeson. exactly. So I guess we've got a back and attacker. Um, Benteke is obviously a good shout despite that bad miss forward slash excellent peta Te- check save on Monday night. So I think you could go for Benteke. Um, Coutinho is obviously always a good shout. Um, he's looked on fire. At certain points in this season already, Arsenal first half would be one of them, and obviously the one to go at Stoke. So I'd put either of the, those two guys in. Or oh, Mignolet. Mignolet's kept three clean sheets so far, he's made some wonder saves in pretty much every game. Um, so what I think a turnaround.
1: Like, yeah, from January last awesome. year to now, doesn't he have the awesome. most clean sheets in that period?
2: Yeah, he's got the most clean sheets in the Premier League um, in 2015. It's just unreal. I think it stands at 13 now. Um, not sure if, I'm not sure how, how precise that is. I've not looked that out. But he's, he's definitely top. Um, it's awesome. It's not just clean sheets either because obviously uh, you yeah, can get a clean sheet from the slide back four. Yeah, it's how he's keeping the clean sheets. Like against Arsenal, the deflected strike that hit Lovren like on the shin or the bottom of the boot and Mignolet is moved to the right and he's got to go left to save it. This is just a great save. And then obviously the dear uh, Giroud chance, which was uh, around the six-yard box, which he has to fully dive to his right. It's, some of the saves he's making are awesome. I'm really happy for him, to be honest, because he's a really nice guy. He seems like a genuine character in the squad. Um, so I'm, I'm really glad for him. Yeah, good turnaround. In terms of a, a, a player joining our t- club before the window closes, I, I don't really... Don't really think there is one. Unless you meant my fantasy club, because I can't really give you more for Liverpool. So I don't think we're signing anyone.
1: <laughs> Man, I, yeah, I guess you're just standing pat, as you said. Yeah, I've just got to stand no, back no and let you dealings. guys do it. You're not, not going to go in for Andy Carroll again or anything exciting? Oh, uh, <laughs>
2: I don't think I could say that much excitement. I think I'm okay <laughs> for that, thanks. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Dan, who do you got?
0: Uh, For fantasy player... Uh, my initial thought is Giroud, because he has a great record against Newcastle. Uh, six goals in, four ga- in his last four games, and I want to say eight in his last six against Newcastle. Um, but then again, I said all that against West Ham. We saw how that went. But um, yeah, I'd still go Giroud, because I don't think we're going to keep a clean sheet. And I don't think uh, I don't have anyone else pegged for an outstanding performance, and he does usually bounce back well from... Disappointing performances, like he did after the West Ham game, scored against Palace, disappointing performance to Liverpool. Decent chance to score against
1: uh, Newcastle. As for far those as who don't know, be, sorry, not to interrupt, but yeah. I'm, I'm going to. Uh, <laughs> for, for those that don't know, how is Alexis Sanchez performing? Obviously, this is a favorable fantasy matchup on paper against Masaito Haidara. Uh, is he going to be playing? Is he going to be fit? What do you think of him?
0: Uh, he'll be playing, he'll be fit, but I, he hasn't looked I don't think he's looked great some people thought he's looked pretty good I don't think he looks totally sharp I think he's mostly going on just energy and enthusiasm right now I don't think he's totally math sharp yet so for fantasy wise I mean I don't know he, he's Alexis Sanchez he can do crazy stuff but I, I wouldn't say he's not I don't think he's worth the price you're gonna have to pay for him to get you to get him into your team at least not this week and then as far as transfer I'd Kareem Benzema, not because I think he's going to come, but because I think we're going to sign nobody. So that's my answer.
1: All right, should I ask that question to a different crowd? Okay, <laughs> for Tottenham. Yeah, you should. <laughs> <laughs> for Tottenham, uh, if you're looking for you know somebody in that 7.0 price range, Nasser Chadley with no Ericsson, he's going to have to bear the burden of a lot of the attack again, which sometimes he doesn't do, even when it's what he's supposed to do. Uh, Did manage to get the assist last week uh, off of Della Ali's header. Uh, He's a very kind of mercurial fantasy option. You know, he's not going to have many. You know, like depending on what format you're in, he's not going to have many multi-digit points. Uh, He's going to be getting you zero, or he's going to be getting you fifteen plus because he was either involved or he wasn't. Um, And so I would urge a little caution there. I think the interesting one this week is Della Ali. Based on his performance last week A lot of people asked me if he would start And I said no because Eriksson will probably be back But now that we know that Eriksson will not be back I think he can make an excellent chance For getting to play in kind of that 10 hole uh, With Lamela probably being a little bit unsettled Maybe Dembele is going to move back To central midfield uh, The Dyer Mason thing I like Is just one of those things where it's not good enough To get us to where we want to go uh, it's, a, it's a decent pairing But neither of them are, are really just good enough Or talented enough Uh, So I'd look look after Del Ali. I wouldn't add him until match day, and you're 100% sure he's playing. But if he's still at this 4.9, and Ericsson's injury might be a little iffy going forward, uh, I definitely think he'd be rosterable. As a player that I think is most likely to come in, a defensive midfielder is is what I'm really hoping. Uh, I think Christoph Kramer was who we were really banking on. I think in a weird way we were kind of hoping Lazio would be able to do it. Bring in Son and Krammer both from Leverkusen. Obviously did not happen. Uh, the Mender deal, as everyone said, is dead. We wanted Sebastian Rode or Rode or Rude. Or, uh, but, uh, Byron have said they're not selling. But a defensive midfielder, I think, is easier to bring in right now than any of the striker options we're in for, like Martial or like Charlie Austin. The Charlie Austin deal could be done in two hours. I'm I'm convinced of it. We could go in... And say we'll give you 13, they've been asking 15, nobody else is coming in, we could just walk out of their building with him. Um, But for some reason it doesn't seem like we're that interested, and you kind of have to wonder with how many teams were linked and then lost interest, what's really going on behind the scenes there. I don't think it's the the knee thing or whatever uh, the West Ham guy came out and talked about, but there is something going on. Uh, where where no clubs are really that heavily interested so I'm going to say a defensive midfielder and I'll find out on Monday if we did it or not and <laughs> that will be exciting and from there we head into match previews where we will each preview our matches surprisingly uh, we'll start off with Dan you're going to be traveling to Newcastle to play them obviously they've brought in some exciting additions how do you think you'll fare in this one?
0: Uh, I think this will be a very very similar game to our win against Palace last week. Um, I guess now it's a week and a half ago, but you get the point. Um, yeah, Newcastle much much better than they were at this point. Uh, at this point last season and at the end of last season even more so. Uh, they brought in, like you said, brought in some very good players like Wigan Viginal- I think that's how you say it, and uh, Mitrovic. But uh, oh, and Florian Tolvan. He's at least talented. He may be a bit yeah. of a he character basically <laughs> is talented, uh, um, so they have a much better squad. But I think we'll still be able to do it. While our home form has been awful dating back to last year, our away form has been quite good. So, I, I, I feel like this is so obviously a two-one that I shouldn't predict two-one, but I'm going <laughs> to anyway. So two-one Arsenal.
1: Fair enough. And Zach, you're going to be facing West Ham, who have obviously very much showed up one match not so much the other two Uh, which West Ham do you think you'll see and how do you think you'll fare? Well obviously I hope
2: that we see the West Ham who played Bournemouth last week, Um, not the one that played Arsenal and was defensively rock solid Um, I think we've got a good chance of winning this game and making it um, four wins undefeated at the start of the season Um, I'd like to see Benteke get on the score sheet again um, just to sort of just to sort of kick on from that orig- uh, original goal against Bournemouth. um, I'd like to see some... Sorry, I was trying three, to say is, mostly. Mean, I, 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 I'm trying to say mostly and mainly at the same time. <laughs> most mainly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, most of all, I'd like to see some good football. Um, Against Arsenal, we show glimpses of some good football, especially on the counter-attack. Obviously, we're probably not going to be playing on the counter-attack as a primary offensive strategy against West Ham, especially at home. So it's going to be a different kind of football. But I just uh, hope that we stick with the same sort of formation, especially if Henderson's injured and uh, Lucas gets to play again. Um, It was sort of like a 4-3-2-1 with Coutinho and Firmino, either side of Benteke. Uh, Lucas is the deepest one. And then Emre Can is sort of like the box-to-box with Milner as the presser. So I if Henderson's injured, I hope we stick with that. I'm don't really. i not a big fan of 4-2-3-1 because I think it completely stagnates us in, uh, in an offensive sense, and it's not Coutinho's best position. I think he prefers the 4-3-3 three, three, or the 4-3-2-1, which is basically a variation of 4-3-3. Three, three. Um, so, yeah, I'm hoping to see Emre Jean again. I'm hoping to see Firmino from the start again. I'm kind of glad... But although this sounds really cruel, that Lallana's probably injured again. Um, but that, that's a blessing in disguise as far as I'm concerned because it brings Firmino into the team and helps him to uh, regain some real match fitness. Um, we've kept three clean sheets in a row. As we said before, Mignolet's kept the most clean sheets in the division in 2015. So I'm expecting and hoping for another one, um, even if it just boosts Lovren's confidence a bit more, which although I'm not his biggest fan and probably one of his biggest critics, it's nice to see him doing well. And obviously, if he does well, it helps the club. So I'm not going to argue if he plays well again and keeps clean sheet. Um, yeah, I'm, I, if I was to bank on a scoreline, I'd say 2-0 to Liverpool. Hopefully with Benteke and Coutinho getting a deserved goal. Or maybe even Firmino. I'd love to see Firmino score. So yeah, 2-0 to the Reds.
1: Yeah, I ended up going back to my original scoreline because uh, when I found out Ericsson was hurt, I was like, well, Everton are going to win this. And then they went 120 minutes yesterday with a lot of starters still on the pitch. And now I'm back to a 2-2 draw. Nothing too exciting. Without Erickson to really make everything happen in the midfield, I think we'll kind of resort to some long ball stuff. But with Chadley and Erickson kind of paired up front, there's some pretty big guys. Ryan Mason can pick a pass. Ella Ali will kind of play more in a, a box-to-box kind of capacity. Whether or not we see Dembele or, or, or LaMela on the right, only time will tell. Not really sure how that's going to work out. But uh, I, I think we're going to concede goals. I'm not necessarily sure it's going to be through Lukaku, though. Um, I, I think a lot of those goals will probably come from the midfield because we really struggle tracking players throughout the depth of the pitch. Uh, we're we'll probably just going to put Eric Dyer directly on Lukaku and just say, you know, mark him the whole time. Um so, so I, I'd assume that the wingers are probably going to get a lot of options there. Ross Barkley is inevitably going to score a screamer against us. Uh, so I'll, I'll say we're winning like 2-1 in the 80th minute and then we ship another late goal. On that very uplifting note, we are out of time. So if you have any projects you'd like to plug or if you'd like to tell people where to reach you, now would be a good time.
2: Uh, yeah, I've got something I'd like to plug. Um over at anfield index we've just released um our app on the iTunes store on the app Store um it's called anfield indexed podcast channel app um I'd be really grateful if you could download it and give it a go and um maybe rate it on the on the app store itself um, we've got loads of new content coming out on there um there's some exclusive um podcast to that appear on the channel and not on iTunes and Podbean, so it's it's obviously worth having just for that. There's loads of good stuff, loads of people working hard to make it a success, um, and also my pod which I'm on with um, Nick Tross, who's the host, is the Fantasy Fantasy Premier League app, <laughs> Fantasy Premier League app, Fantasy Premier League podcast. I apologise, um, and that's uh, every Tuesday we record that. So if you either like to give that a try, we're giving tips and stuff, and it's, it's just good fun, nice banter. Um, and yeah, follow me on Twitter, Zach Foster underscore AI. Thanks for listening.
0: Uh, yeah, like I said, you can get my writings on ePLindex.com among other sites. And then me and a couple of my friends started a Arsenal podcast called Sons of Arshaven. So if you want to hear about Arsenal or laugh, we are occasionally funny, you can check that out on SoundCloud under Sons of Arshaven or on Twitter at Sons of Arshevin. And you can get me on Twitter personally at the underscore jersey underscore fitz. Thanks for listening.
1: Yeah, I'm your host, Kevin DeVries. Uh, Zach and Nick aren't the only ones venturing out into fantasy land. That is now mostly what I'm doing. Uh, You can see my fantasy previews for Sunderland, Crystal Palace, and Tottenham over at blog.playtaga.com. I have a weekly article that comes out on Fridays over at theeaglesbeak.com with player price points, which allows you kind of more flexibility in your squad, seeing a player at each point where you can bring in a player or drop someone without having to worry about your finances. Uh, so feel free to check that out. We do host a new fantasy podcast called the FPL Roundtable. Uh, and you can catch that on Thursday mornings. Uh, so be sure to tune into that as well. Co-host Rob Blanchevin over from the guys at Razball. So be sure to give them a look as well. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us, guys. It's been a pleasure as always. And we hope you keep listening.